you got into business to pursue your passion, not to worry about insurance. But the reality is every business faces risks and you need to make sure that your business is protected. Insurance doesn't have to be complicated and learning some basic risk mitigation principles like how to develop a business continuity plan can go a long way. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. As an online retailer, you can optimize every stage of your workflow to satisfy your customers. Learn how with a free ebook, Mastering Your E-Commerce Operations from Canada Post. Download yours at canadapost.ca forward slash ecombook. Canadian Export Challenge and the Startup Canada Awards are coming to a city near you. Entrepreneurs in Vancouver, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Mississauga, Montreal, and Fredericton have the opportunity for a full-day entrepreneurial experience. In the morning and afternoon, attend your one-day global accelerator where you will connect to Canada's entire trade, export, and growth ecosystem. Accepted entrepreneurs have the chance to pitch to win $25,000 in cash and up to an additional $100,000 in in-kind scaling support. In the evening, celebrate the winners of the 2019 Startup Canada Awards who are driving innovation and growing the economy in your region. Register for the Canadian Export Challenge at startupcan.ca forward slash CXC and get your tickets to your local awards ceremony at startupaward.ca. Building your dream, work-life balance, scaling up, discussing the topics that matter most to entrepreneurs. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you know, one of the great things I love about interviewing amazing rock star entrepreneurs from across the planet is what we learn from them. And that's why I started Go Forth Garage. Go Forth Garage is all about providing you with the resources, the coaching, the mentorship, the programs to help you in your business. Just check us out at goforthgarage.com. That's goforth garage.com. This is Tony DeRosier, founder and CEO at Abigo. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. We're just thrilled to have on today's episode a guest who has transformed a personal need into a successful 10 years, 10 year business. 
totally beating the odds. That's wonderful. That is sustainable and environment oriented. Nutritionist turned entrepreneur, Tony DeRosier founded Abigo with her husband in 2008, creating the very first beeswax food, beeswax food wrap on the market. Abigo is just not just about reducing waste with reusable food wraps, but reducing food waste by extending the life of your food. In addition to being reusable, the product is all natural with the goal of eliminating waste entirely. I love it. The company has even found ways to repurpose production waste by turning scraps into twist ties and excess material into fire starters, something they called waste generated resources. After a 400% growth in 2017, Abigo's profits were expected to double again last year while the Victoria-based company has reached international markets. Tony's resilience, drive, and passion has not only pushed Abigo forward, but has inspired other women entrepreneurs and social innovators across the country. And on today's podcast, we're going to discuss with Tony how she can scale what started out as a handcrafted niche cottage brand to meet the growing brand while guarding the integrity of her product. No easy feat. Tony, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. Thank you, Rivers. I'm excited to be yeah, here. Yeah, it's going to be an epic conversation. So I, I always love with the, the, the you know, the, the, the aha moment. And, you know, when, when, I, when I get the, the, the fortunate ability to talk to so many entrepreneurs, I'm just so intrigued with how there's so many freaking different ideas. How did your idea come about? Um, Abigail was born uh, mainly from an irritation. I found plastic wrap to be incredibly irritating, not only the act of actually getting it out of the box, but just the relationship to my living food was bugging Mm. me. Um, My background's in nutrition, so I was eating this beautiful live living food, and I started to ask myself how that living food can live in an environment like plastic wrap, which was airtight. Right. Right. So that was it. That was it. So I decided that the problem existed and there was an opportunity to fix it. And so I got to work. So how did you get to work? Um, I actually started by setting some rules for myself. And I think that maybe is a little bit of the secret to the success of Abigo. I didn't start by studying plastic wrap and trying to understand how it performed for our food. Instead, I made five rules. Um, my ingredients had to be 100% natural and chemical free. They had to be plastic-free entirely. Um, They had to be used at some point in history for food preservation. They had to have antimicrobial or antibacterial qualities, and they had to already be approved by the FDA for food contact. So that built a pretty tight box Mm. for me to work in. Was that kind of like within 24 hours you came up with that, or did you take six months to come up with that? Because I love the criteria, and it's very specific, and it's very honest to who you are. So how did, how did that process happen? I think that process came fairly quickly. Um, it's hard to remember, to be honest. It's been 10 years, but <laughs> I think I had a set of guiding principles probably within the first few weeks. And then the product, you know, the product testing and, and experimenting Wonderful. started from there. And, uh, and your, your husband, how was he involved with it? Because it talked about uh, him in the intro. I was, uh, I'm always intrigued with, uh, with uh, spousal uh, partnerships. Is, is he, is he, how was he involved? Is he still involved? Um, in the early days, Colin was involved with um, 
basically like my brainstorming partner. I, I invented the product myself, but Colin was definitely there to, you know, play out ideas or go get ingredients for me and, um, you know, work as my test subject (laughs) in many cases. Um, and then over the years, Colin worked within the business, just really supporting me all along the way. And now he's largely out right, of the business. Right. So. Cool. Yeah. Just, uh, you yeah. know, I, 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 just a natural transformation. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of NFL football, as my listeners know. And I always talk, they're always moving players around to, based on what the company needs at that point in time. So uh, just a natural evolution mm-hmm. for sure. So, so you had this idea, you had this pain point. Did you, did, while you were going through the invention process, did you, were you uh, validating it with anybody besides you two? Or how did that validation process go that one, I was really onto something, but two, that people were willing to pay some money to you for it? Mm-hmm. Well, that was kind of an, another interesting decision I made. I never kept a ego a secret. So from day one, I started to talk to people about it and show it to them and ask if they'd be interested in using and kind of give me the opportunity to people's food problems with them. And I don't think I would have developed the same product had I not had such open conversations with people because the same problems that everybody else around me had. So if I had kept it all internally, I may not have come up with such a well-rounded solution. Yeah, you know, I, I I hear a lot of entrepreneurs say, "Oh, I don't want to tell anybody my idea," and I think you're a testament to the fact. Well, one, um, if you're not telling anybody about your idea, you can't sell anything. Uh, but also, it really becomes a wonderful laboratory for you to have a vast amount of people giving you feedback on it, and and not everybody wants yeah. to do a bigo. I'm sure that people you ask and say, "Oh my gosh, that's fantastic! I'm going to go run out and do it myself." It probably did not happen at all. No, I think that's, I mean, that's one of my big fears in the world, to be honest. We have 7 billion people on this planet and many of them are sitting there right now thinking, I have this idea, I can't tell anybody. And man, imagine how many people would change the world if we just started talking about ideas. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you hear the greatest ideas are the ones that are in the graveyard. So, so what do you, you know, why do you think entrepreneurs do that? I'm more curious. I mean, you've been, you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you've beat the odds. I mean, why do people hide these ideas? It all comes down to fear. And I think I realized through my experience with Abigo, because I'm, I'm an outlier in the fact that I didn't keep any thing a secret. I didn't patent it. I was really forward about my ingredients. Um, and what I, I've learned over the years is that I don't actually think it's fear. I think at the core, it's shame. Because if you aren't successful with your idea and somebody scoops it out from under you, it's just like, has it's just such a shame-filled experience. And so people don't want to feel that. They're okay with fear, but they're not okay with shame. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. I love it. I love it. So so talk to me about the business of Abigo. How does it, how does it all operate? Uh, you know, online distribution centers, customer service, marketing, dive into uh, the pieces of the puzzle that make the magic happen. We, we were based in Victoria, BC. So our headquarters is right here in downtown Victoria. We have a beautiful two level studio. Everything is produced on the main floor of the studio. And then our sales and marketing, um, and kind of like upper level people are working upstairs. Um, the, we are sold everywhere. We're sold across Canada, us. We have distribution across Europe, Japan. We're very popular in Hong Kong right now. Um, we have distributors, we do online sales, uh, lots of different avenues for revenue. And the idea is just kind of hitting a bit of a tipping point right now, which is really exciting. 
So who's a customer? Um, our customer, it's evolving a little bit. Early days of Abigo, our customers was typically women between the ages of 35 and 55. Now we're seeing the kind of a little bit more um, male purchasers, which is great. And uh-huh. we're also seeing a, a younger audience. So we're seeing people in like 25 to 35 range that are really getting on board with the idea. And typically those that age group, they're just... I mean, environmental mindset and sustainability is so inherent to that generation more so than it was for, you know, like the, the 40 and up. So that's, we're seeing that, that kind of converting quite quickly. How do you, uh, how do you engage your customers in a, in a conversation beyond, because it, you know, it, it, it's rap. I mean, I don't mean that disrespectfully, <laughs> yeah. but so there's going to be another element of a bigger picture, a bigger mission that you're on here of which you are helping through your product. Uh, and actually, yeah, is there more than just one product? Now, uh, after 10 years, how's, what's that look like? So right now we just do a big food wrap and that's part, I mean, we have other ideas, but the food wrap is important to keep the conversation moving in the right direction. Right. So it's, I love that you asked that question because a lot of people will assume that our mission is to end the use of plastic wrap. And actually our mission is to keep food alive. So Mm. The idea behind Abigo is that we are the first company to create not only a beeswax food wrap, but to identify that your food wrap needs to breathe. So Abigo is the first food wrap that exists that is more like a lemon peel than a piece of plastic wrap. So it's gas Ah. permeable, it's opaque versus transparent, it's not airtight. So basically, when you put your fresh living food in Abigo, it stays alive longer it doesn't sweat and rot and smell the way it would in plastic wrap, and it doesn't mm. wilt and dry out the way it would with no wrap at all. Does um, your, the new clients that are coming to you are they are they the type of people that said I just wasn't thinking about it that way, or are they another type of uh, another type of client that's just okay? This is kind of cool. I'm going to give it a try. I think we have a little bit of both. I mean, some people are really excited to try it just because it's a new idea, and other people are becoming far more concerned about food waste. And we're seeing the cost of food increasing, but yet we are not storing it in ways in our home that actually allow us to eat it before it goes into the compost pile. And so mm. that our customer recognizes the value. They may they may adopt a Vigo for like this new beeswax food wrap, but they marry us basically for the fact that we will save all of their food. So what's the advantages of being in Victoria with your business? Advantages. <laughs> well, it's beautiful here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a great spot to live. Absolutely. But from a purely uh, business perspective, is there, you know, uh, could the same model work in, in Eastern Canada, Toronto, or is there a specific need for uh, for the, the climate, the environment, whatever you want to call it in Victoria? Um, no, there's definitely no specific need to be in Victoria besides that I really love it here. Um, and I, sure. I love it here because the food culture here is incredible and we are very kind of deeply entrenched into the food culture. So that's a real pro for Abigo. Um, but definitely it's, you know, having a manufacturing business on an island isn't necessarily um, my recommendation for new manufacturing companies. <laughs> it, right, it comes right, with its right. challenges for sure. 
Yeah, right on. And, and is is one of those labor? Uh, labor, yeah, labor and transportation. I mean, that will be uh, that will always be your top two issues. Um, a lot of our market is down the west coast, though, so that is that is helpful. But as we expand, we'll we'll need to consider how we're going to scale this. If it's regionally based, or you know, what does that look like? What's your what's your thought, Tony? On the uh, and and you you're going to know much more about this than I do. Uh, you know about the the shrinking uh, bee population. Um, how are you are you are you preparing for uh, uh, um, supply being less? Uh, is it is it an issue? What what are your what's uh, your comment around all that? That's a question that we get all the time, and my short answer is. If we don't have bees, we don't have food, and I don't have right. I don't have a business anyway. Um, right. I think that what we need to recognize when we're talking about the bee population is that we have a very very complicated issue that needs a holistic solution, and it's going to take mm. many really great thinkers and many systematic changers to fix the problem. And from Abigo's perspective, the way we see it is that the average household throws away forty percent of their fresh produce. That's an alarming wow. amount of food. And on the agricultural scale, we're throwing away fifty percent of what we grow before it even gets to before it even gets to your grocery store, fifty percent of it is wasted. And yet we ask our bees to pollinate hundred percent of our food. Mm, wow. Wow. So what so my, what's my your solution? Is, <laughs> well, at a at a low level of Abigo, our solution is to end food waste in the home. We'd really like people to consider their food very differently, to store it in a way that it can actually stay alive. And so that's kind of like the small scale. Long term, you know, if I was to wave my magic wand and was able to, you know, have make all the changes in the world I could see, then I would eventually have us, you know, help look at the agricultural systems that we've created because we've created a whole bunch of agricultural systems and transportation systems and like food moving systems that don't make a lot of sense anymore. And mm, so anyway, right. it's a complicated issue, but my, you know, I am a firm believer in the fact that you need to do something even when you can't do everything. Yeah. Right. It's a proverbial ripple effect. So so, um, oh shoot. I had a question with regards to the bees and it's, it, it's, uh, oh my gosh, it's, it was a pretty cool <laughs> question. Anyway, <can't, laughs> I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. So, um, let's get back to women entrepreneurs. I mean, you've been in business for 10 years and congratulations. You really have beat, uh, the, the, you know, the, 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 the proverbial, uh, uh, probability of success. I think that's wonderful. Congratulations. What do you say, what's your advice to women entrepreneurs who are, who are just starting out? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, when I was starting out 10 years ago, things were a bit different than they are today, but I think female entrepreneurs face many of the same challenges today as they would 10 years ago. Um, I mean, my first my first piece of advice, and I think that female entrepreneurs do this very well, is to solve a real problem instead of creating a product that needs to exist for something that's not a real problem. I think when we nail a right. real problem and the timing, the timing becomes the right time, there's a lot of success in that. And that that's where I've seen very successful female leaders. Right. Right, 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 yeah. Kind of like emerge in solving real problems. Um, 
I would say the other thing to really focus on is to surround yourself with like-minded thinkers and people that maybe don't think like you. So really building your network of support and people that you can call on to ask questions. And, um, you know, I think that's invaluable. That's something that I've spent the last few weeks cultivating is a group of women that I can lean on and um, learn from. And that's been really valuable to me. Yeah, and I, I was just saying that to somebody else today about the collaborative nature of, uh, of women. It's so special, so unique, and you know, us guys, we just it's it's I it's always we want to beat everybody to the ground and punch them in the head. You know, it's just like that doesn't work that way. Right. And uh, so I love that collaborative notion. I remember the question I was going to ask you oh. as, as as part of your engagement with your clients. Do you do you how deep do you go? with them, into them, and and uh, and Abigo in training them about this issue of food waste? Deep, for sure. I mean, that's our, that's our whole, that's a, all of our messaging is around ending food waste. So we talk a lot about, um, you know, and we don't talk about freshness. The word freshness actually kind of bugs me because when you pick up an avocado, you have no way to identify if it's fresh or not. Like freshness right. is not a thing. You have to identify your food from the, the point of its life that it's in. Because the minute you pick something off of a plant, it's ending its life. However, right. however quickly or slowly as you allow that to happen, it's the process that it's in. So we talk more about, you know, water loss and flavor loss and wilting and sweating and more, um, more detail around what the food is actually doing as it comes to the end of its life versus is it fresh or not? Because you don't actually have an answer to that. Nobody does. Right. <laughs> so I bet you get asked to speak a lot. I do. I do get asked to speak a lot. Where's your favorite spot that you've uh, spoken in front of? What group? Uh, where was it at? All that kind of stuff. Mm, I was asked to speak in front of a group of, I think they were between the age of 13 and 16 year old um, high school kids about entrepreneurship. And that was really exciting because a it conquered the fear of like teenagers because teenagers yes. like, teenagers are a little bit terrifying <laughs> yes uh, yes <laughs> and it was really fun to uh their, their questions at the end of my talk were so incredibly engaging and and it just made me really hopeful for the the future yeah that's wonderful do you remember one question that they that you said oh that's a that's a freaking cool question oh i think one one girl stood up and asked me how I overcame my fear of public speaking. And I thought that was really powerful because she was quite clearly terrified of public speaking. And she had the yes. courage to stand up in front of 300 people and ask that question. And I thought like she just did it. <laughs> like, that's the yeah. first step to overcoming that. Wonderful. I love it. So what's it like for you having your family and business life so, uh, so intertwined? Um, I don't know that it is that intertwined, to be honest. I don't know okay. if it's more intertwined than anybody else running a business. Um, running a business isn't easy, if that's the core of the question. It certainly takes a lot of time and energy. And even when you're not working, you're working in your head or you know processing ideas or thoughts. Are you able to turn that off? I do. I do try. Yeah. At the end of each day, I usually turn my phone off. It's usually yes. off from at least five till 8 PM. That's the time <laughs> when my yes. daughter is home from school and we're doing kind of family stuff. And, and what's her name? Uh, my daughter's name is Parker. 
Parker, I love it. So do you you talk to Parker about your business? I do, actually. Parker is very, she knows a lot about my business. She understands our financial situation. She knows what revenue is. She knows what profit is. When she asks for money, she says, mommy, I need to earn money. And then we find ways for her to earn money, which I love. Yes, yes. I love it. And uh, does she uh, does she dive in in the summertime helping you with a beagle? She's only five, so she's not she's not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't have her ready yet? <laughs> she does. Oh, that's She's occasionally a model for our photography, and she that works. To be paid so. That works. Well, you know, the fact is that she understands the difference between revenue and profit makes her well ahead of probably about 80% of the <laughs> entrepreneurs that are out there. It's true. <laughs> so when you started a Beagles 10 years ago, what's changed most in the last uh, 10 years for for you, one, as an entrepreneur, and two, a Bego as a business? Um, for me as an entrepreneur, I think the biggest thing that that's changed for me is that the understanding that I, I won't have all of the answers and I don't know everything, but it's really important for me that on a, you know, like a quarterly basis, I'm picking a new, a new topic or a new way of thinking or something that I need to change and, and working on myself personally, not just working on my business. So, you know, like my, my goal for 2019 is to learn how to get really clear on my expectations. That's, you know, that's the next big thing for me. And I kind of pick a new topic on a regular basis to improve myself as a leader. Um, what's changed? What was it for 2018? Uh, for 2018, it was, it, the personal was sparkle actually. Ah. It was learning, not learning, but like being focused on doing things that brought me joy and made me happy. And that, I mean, I do that in my business and I try to do that more in my personal life as well. So that was 2018. Cool. Mm-hmm. Have you got any idea for 2019 yet? Um, 2019. Well, there'll be the, there'll be one will be presence. So that's mm-hmm. the, you know, being more present and part of presence is being really clear with my, what my expectations are, what I hope to get out of what I'm asking for. Um, right. so that everybody understands that up front and I understand what I'm looking for. So that's presence and expectation is about my 2019. Love it. Tony, Tony, I'm going to make you the prime minister of Canada. Uh, and, and it's your goal to significantly in, uh, to move the needle on the spirit and actions of entrepreneurship from coast to coast to coast in Canada. In your first year, what are you going to do? In my first year, I would make, um, I would have federally funded childcare. Ah, Fantastic. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> and, and what would you do in your second year? Uh, my second year, I would have federally funded dental care. Look at you go. Yeah. This is fantastic. All related to having the environment which allows entrepreneurs and their families to have what they need so that they can do what they need to do. Totally. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yes. Very cool. Well, I'm not going to ask you what you would do in your third year because in your third year, you're probably getting ready to be reelected, which you would <laughs> most likely do because you've made all these people so happy. So um, let's uh, let's kind of talk about where Abigo is going next. I mean, I mean, I do want to touch on, on the international markets. Uh, 
when uh what 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 was your first market that you started to export to you said down the eastern or sorry the western seaboard um is is the united states where you first started to export yeah the us was definitely our first yeah and uh, have you have you gone into other markets or are you looking at them um we're definitely looking more to saturating the us in a bigger way it's a huge market so there's yes. lots of opportunity still there um we are seeing a lot of traction as i said in hong kong and so that's yes. interesting to kind of see where we can go in that part of the world especially when our mission is to keep food alive so there's a lot of food related things that we have to learn about right. that um yeah that would probably be i mean that's a lot for 20 2019. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. What about distribution? I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I'm, I'm always interested in the chicken egg scenario about, you know, do you go retail or do you go online first or do you go both at the same time? Uh, you do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so how did you approach your distribution strategy initially? Was it one or the other? Or was it both at the same time? Can you explain that? Well, we probably started with online first, but the the stores just naturally came to us. So we have never done like a really concentrated push into the you know B two B world. It's been very organic. People find us and they want to stock our brand, and so that's right. been really beautiful. Um, but in 2019, we'll certainly be driving that much harder in the U.S. and attending a lot of trade shows and events to get more retailers there while building our e-commerce business. Abigo is just such a great e-commerce product. It's super lightweight. Mm. We can offer free shipping. You know, there's just like a million reasons for it to be an e-commerce success. Now, I haven't I haven't had the luxury of seeing the last 10 years. How has your packaging changed, if at all? Oh, my gosh. Our brand has changed incredibly over the years. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it started, Abigo started out really handcrafted. I started with $1,200. I didn't have any money. I couldn't hire a designer. Um, You know, so early Abigo, vintage Abigo does not look anything like what it looks like today. But our brand has really evolved. It's beautiful, bright colors, very clean, food focused, very recognizable on the shelves. And um, we definitely invest a lot of money in our brand assets, our photography and our videos and stop motion and everything to do on that end. I love it. What about, uh, how do you, uh, um, just for, again, for our audience, our listeners, you're dealing with a buyer in a retail location or locations. What's the different, what's, what's the process you go through for that customer that, that would be not what you would go for just a direct B2C. Again, giving the lesson to our listeners about, okay, remember this when you're dealing with a buyer who wants to sell to customers. Mm. I think that we we recognize how busy people that run stores are. I mean, the buyers in a retail setting are busy. And so everything we do, we try to take away any, um, any levels of resistance they may have based by recognizing that their time is very valuable. So everything we do is quick and easy and as absolutely painful, painless for them as possible. And that's probably, I mean, we do the same thing online as well. It's just to like remove all of the obstacles, but we definitely focus on that with our retail partners. What's one of the uh, unique ways that you get get the attention of a buyer in the first place? Um, well, we always send a Bigo. 
So that's okay. always, I mean, no matter, no matter who we're talking to, that's kind of our strategy. Abigo is our number one marketing tool because it's yes. so awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. We, we always just put it in people's hands and give them an, ex, we give them an experiment. We say, take this home, try it on your avocado and we'll talk to you in five days. And that's right. usually all it takes. People are pretty nice. persuaded by a saved avocado. So brilliant. And what's your follow-up strategy? Um, it would typically be an email with all of the, um, with our full media kit, our retailer media kit. So they understand not only like when, when you work with a Bego, we don't just put a product on your shelf and then forget about you. You are given regular updates with, um, brand assets, images, photography, or like images, video content for your social media. So we, we kind of help them market our product through our assets. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, just the fundamentals of sales are, are so obvious sometimes and we just, we just don't do them. Yes. And I love, I love the sample piece. I love the go test it at the, you know, the, the proverbial test drive. I love the quick follow up. Uh, and it's a follow up that isn't, Hey, do you want to buy? It's a follow up that, Hey, I want to bring you more value to engage in a long term relationship. And, mm-hmm. and obviously that's, uh, that's bode well for you. Can you talk us about your, about your team, your Abigo team? living in Victoria? Uh, sure. Uh, so my team, we have 19 people on our team right now. Um, yeah. My leadership team is all female. So my COO, my operations manager, both female. Um, we are very happy here. I'm not sure what else I could tell you about my team living in Victoria. Yeah, I guess I'm more uh, interested in in how you went about um, identifying the the roles people needed to play. Again, this is you know an entrepreneurial journey, uh, and how you went about finding the right people to fill those roles. So, probably, I mean, my first. At my first higher level and most valuable hire would have been my COO. And yes. we kind of met each other um, through an event. And at the time, she was acting as what she called a parachute COO for another company where she was just yes. doing it part time. And yes. we worked together part time through an extremely um, high period of growth for Abigo. And I just loved how she handled everything. And I really liked our working relationship and how we communicated. So she now works full time at Abigo as yeah. COO. And I love her. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? Uh, Linda Biggs. All right, Linda, high five to you. So I got one more question. Actually, I got two more questions for you. The, the, the second one is uh, you went through a pretty significant growth with 400% uh, growth. And you know what, what lessons did you learn about scaling that uh, you think are pretty important to remember for the next time that you're going to go through crazy, crazy rocket growth? Mm, probably the number one thing I learned is that the systems that you create have to be scale ready. And you have to be prepared to review your systems. So we grew really, really quickly. And we had a lot of, you know, uh, spreadsheets and, you know, the ways that we were like measuring our raw materials. And we didn't realize until we were kind of in the thick of it that those numbers were not true at that time. So, yeah, so we had to move pretty quickly um, with ordering more materials and putting out more more cash at the time than we would have necessarily been prepared for had we had our systems scale ready. Love it. 
Love it, love it, love it. So uh, you're allowed to give uh, Parker one um, piece of advice for business for the rest of her life, and you can't give her another piece of advice at all. What's that piece of advice going to be to have her have a successful business? Mm -hmm. It's not a test, by the way. It's okay if you you want to add another one in. (laughs) This is it. You can't talk to her ever again. (laughs) (laughs) What would it be? Um, I think think it would be uh, to do something even when you can't do everything. Mm, mm, I love that. I love that. Keep moving forward. Yeah. I think that's really cool. You really don't know where it's going to take you. No, you really don't. And one of my favorite jokes is you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just it's not going to be what you think it's going to be. Exactly. So I think, I think that's brilliant advice, Tony. So how, uh, how do we get a hold of you, my friend, uh, personally? And what's the, uh, the website for Abigo? Because I know a lot of people are going to want to go online and put some orders in. Awesome. Yeah. So you can find Abigo at abigo.com and you can make all your purchases online and you can reach our team in Victoria at helloabigo.com. And if you're local in the area, you're welcome to stop by and purchase directly from us. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for a crazy, wonderful journey that you've been on. Keep doing your magic and uh, I look forward to the opportunity to shake your hand one day. Awesome. Thanks, Rivers. It was great to chat with you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 